The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Phil Golfy with Remax, the Golfy team. Welcome to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition with host Rick Zamperin. And our very special guest, Brian Hogman from Mission 35 Mortgages. Well, I'm just going to put my feet up because it sounds like Phil is going to do the rest of the show. By him. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, welcome to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Yes, Phil Golfy is a sales representative and a pretty darn good one with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. And Brian Hogman is the founder and principal broker at Mission 35 Mortgages. Check them out online, mission35mortgages.com. If you want to get your home sold for top dollar in this wild and wacky market, you got to call the number one Remax team in in Canada, that's the Golfy team, 905-575-7700. Online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob G O L F I.com. You can find them all over social media. If it's on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, be rest assured that the Golfy team is on those social media platforms. Also, if you want an instant home estimate, you're kind of wondering, I wonder what my home would go for on the open market. Go online to golfyhomevalue.com and get that instant home. Home estimates. Phil, Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, Brian. How's it going? Oh, living the dream after yesterday's 0.25% rate hike. So, yeah, didn't get much sleep last night, but you know what? I'm doing pretty good today, gentlemen. <laughs> It's good to hear that we uh, we uh, normal people are just as affected as you, uh, you know, brokers and, and, and mortgage analysts and all these guys who deal with the stuff that we worry about. It's nice to hear that you worry about it as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? We are not, uh, we, we are affected by it too, right? I have variable rate mortgages myself, Rick. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I'm getting the calls and uh, I'm looking at things just like everybody else right now and uh, have a lot of the same concerns and questions that, that most people do who are in the interest rate market right now and who have a home and who have a mortgage. Well, we're going to dig down deep into Wednesday's Bank of Canada rate hike, the eighth consecutive one. Is it going to be the last? Some economists believe it will be. And we're also going to get into the city of Hamilton's recent decisions surrounding short-term rentals in this community, as well as the vacant home tax that is coming into effect. But before we get to that, Phil, how's your real estate life been this past week? Yeah, it's been good. It's been busy. Um, it's it's so funny to see you know this transition of of last year. There's this term that that the kids use these days, and it's called FOMO, and it represents fear of missing out. That was last year. Um, people people wanted to get into the market. They were motivated. They were anxious. They were excited. Um, and buying real estate was was their top priority. This is this was last year. Um, and, and, and people, you know, were, were so, you know, caught up in the market and, and, and wanting to be a part of it and, and wanting to achieve home ownership. And they had that FOMO or that fear of missing out of, of missing out on a deal or, or not buying a house. And, and then fast forward to this year and there are still motivated buyers, but, but a lot less, right? The conversations that we're having are, are, you know, what's going to happen next or is this a good time to buy? And there's a lot more unpredictability in the market and there's a lot less FOMO. Um, so, so right now it's, 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 you know, a lot more showings. It's a lot more details. It's a lot more research into every single, uh, every single person's situation and, and, and advising on their specific situation. 
So, so that's how things have changed on, on my end. Um, where last year it was, it was run and gun and, and, you know, move as fast as you can. And, and every deal was a good deal. Um, but, but it's, it's definitely changed, um, in, in terms of the landscape and the market, uh, and that what we're working in, uh, this year. Yeah. I find the same thing actually, Rick and Phil, to your point to echo it last year, everybody was, get me a mortgage. I think we would, we saw the record amount of cash offers where they, it's like financing was an afterthought that they needed money for a property. They were just trying to get money for a property. And now it really comes down to education. And we're having a lot of conversations around market timing now where people are thinking, okay, I'm pre-approved. Is the market going to go down a little bit more? Should I wait? And it really comes down to the education of it because, um, you know, seeing people sit on the sidelines for too long, it's a funny human psychology, right? When things are going up, everybody wants to jump in. And then when things have gone down, everybody's like, well, I don't know if I should, but it's actually should be the opposite. Right, right. It's so funny how that works on that. And that's what I was saying to people is the thing that gives me confidence in buying in today's market is looking at the comparable down the street and saying, well, there's been two or three houses that have sold for $200,000 more than what I'm about to pay right now. There's that appreciation room and that appreciation growth. And, and I get the mortgage rate, you know, is going to, is going to scare me off a, a, a tiny bit, but I, I'm going to say, if you're buying real estate right now and you have a goal to hold it, or you're able to hold it for three, five, 10 years, absolutely. Zoom out. I always say, take your thumb and your index finger and zoom out on your <laughs> iPhone screen and zoom out on the graph because that will give you confidence in buying real estate today. If you're going to microanalyze real estate, this real estate market, read every headline, listen to every single negative comment about it, you're going to, you're going to, you know, talk yourself into a mental pretzel and you're going to be anxious and you're going to be scared. But like I said, if you, if you zoom out and you create that confidence by looking at that long-term graph, you will feel so much more comfortable and so much less anxious. And, and, and Brian's mentioned, we have mortgages, we're buyers, we're investors. We are in this right now with everyone else, right? Yeah. We're going through these peaks in these valleys. And, and, and that's what I do is I, and, and, you know, I bought properties last year and, and in a high market and, and my interest rates going up. And I just say, you know, I gotta, I gotta put my seatbelt on here. I gotta gear up and, and, and get ready because my payments are going up, but I know down the road, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be, it's going to be worth it in, in, in terms of an investment opportunity. Yep. And this has been a 12 month time period, right? Like rates started to go up in March. Here we are approaching March again, where it looks like they're going to go down. And I heard a great quote the other day too, and I can't take credit for it, but it was where there's maximum pessimism, there's maximum opportunity. So in this market right now, there is opportunity where people aren't there, right? So yeah. I know it may be hard to see, but again, to Phil's point there, the average homeowner is going to be in a home for seven to 10 years. Yeah. Uh, this market is going to last, market cycles last anywhere 12, 18 months. That is a fraction of the amount of time that you're going to own a home for. Yeah. What's, what's interesting about this right now, and we can hop into, in, into you know, getting more specific about the interest rate hikes, is we have an entire generation of home buyers, of people, which is, which is me, which is my generation, that have never experienced rising interest rates. Mm -hmm. yeah. We've never experienced high interest rates. But if you go back and you start to look at some of the older articles and you read some of the quotes, like I'm going to read this quote right now. We were paying about $2,200 a month. And back in those days, it was pretty much all that we had. And our entire incomes were basically sucked up by the mortgage and bills and the whole bit. It was a horror show. 
guess what that guess where that quote's from? Nineteen eighty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Twenty two hundred dollars nineteen eighty. That's interest rates have risen, interest rates have fallen since nineteen eighty. Home ownership still is a pro- top priority. In nineteen eighty, people didn't stop buying real estate because the interest rates went up. They tightened their belts. Right. They tightened their belts and they started to budget. And I think that's something that it's a hard thing that people have to look at. Like I had to do it myself. I have to look and think and say, if my cash flow is down on some investment properties, where can I cut? Right. Because I don't want to cut out my biggest investments, my biggest investments, my biggest wealth builders. I don't want to sell those because I know they're there for the long term. That's my pension plan. So I need to look at, okay, do I need the latte? Do I need this? (laughs) Do I need that? Right. So, and sometimes I do need the latte, but not today. When it comes to this market and people diving in, knowing where interest rates are, knowing where inflation has been and where it might be heading, uh, knowing that a recession may be looming, what's the mindset of the home buyer right now, Phil? Yeah, it's it's a nervous mindset. It's a nervous mindset, but but like I said, it's a mindset that people still want the opportunity of home ownership. It's still a top priority amongst Canadians. And and I always go back, you can talk yourself into and talk yourself out of whatever you want. You'll always find a narrative online. You'll always find an article to support whatever narrative that you want to think. Okay. So we we there's a lot of negative news, especially over the last six months. It's a lot of a lot of staggering stats that are are way down and interest rates are way up. And, and if you're going to follow that narrative, there's not going to be, you know, you, you're, you're never really going to find that opportunity to buy. You're just going to sit on the sidelines and, and, and wait. Um, but when you, when you, when you, if you're motivated and you're, and you're, you know, home ownership is a top priority, this is still a good time to get into the market and we're seeing it. And, it, 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 and, and, you know, when, when, when interest rates were low, prices were high. So that person was saying, well, you know, I'm going to wait for prices to come down. Prices have come down dramatically across the board. Prices are down, um, and 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 that person's going to say, "Well, you know, interest rates are high. You know, I'm not I'm not interested." So it's 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 people constantly. You know, there's some people out there that are constantly looking for an excuse or or for a reason not to get into the market. Where there's others that that have are are, are looking at this as an opportunity. So it depends on what narrative that that you want to speak to. For I know for myself and for Brian. We do see this as an opportunity and a big opportunity, especially if, you, if you're receiving the right advice and, and working with the right people. There are definitely opportunities. Yeah, and I think it comes down to the fundamentals of home ownership right now. It's, it's, you can't argue the fact that majority of Canadians' wealth is in real estate. And the reason that it's in real estate is because it's an easy savings program. When you end up looking at one of the charts that we like to show people is, you know, when you end up looking at your monthly payment, you show the principal and the interest. When we end up looking at the principal pay down, I call that the savings account. Right. You know what? Most people cannot save on a monthly basis the same amount that they're paying off their principal. Right. And you compound that over years and years and years. You know, most people might put a hundred or two hundred bucks a month away in a tax free savings account. If you've got a five or six hundred thousand dollar mortgage, you're paying off six, seven hundred dollars a month in principal, even though the rates are higher. That is a huge wealth builder. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, when you take a long-term view on these things, not just a short-term, I believe the last stat I saw was that less than 50% of Canadians actually even have a mortgage. You know, we sit and talk about how many people have a mortgage because that's the world that we're in. But the reality is there are many wealthy Canadians that end up owning a home over the past 10, 15, 20 years that may have a very small 
mortgage. And that's because they stuck to the fundamentals. They paid off their mortgage and it ended up being their biggest savings account. That's a really good point. When we come back, we're going to touch on Hamilton's new vacant home tax, what it means as well for uh, Airbnb, short-term rentals in this community, because there's a new policy on that as well. And a few more uh, hot topics in relation to uh, interest rates and what the Bank of Canada may do with its key lending rate. All that and more still ahead here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Phil Golfy, sales representative, Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team, and Brian Hogman, founder and principal broker at Mission 35 Mortgages, online at mission35mortgages.com. If you want to get your home sold, go online to robgolfi.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Check out the hottest listings in town and hook up with the first real estate team in Hamilton to sell 1,000 homes in a year. That's the golfy team, the number one Remax team in Canada. Call them today at 905-575-7700. Again, 905-575-7700. If you're scrolling through TikTok or Twitter, maybe on Facebook or Instagram, you will notice the golfy team. They're all over social media. That connection will get your exposure, uh, your home exposed to many more home buyers and home seekers out there. And for an instant home estimate, go online to golfyhomevalue.com, plug in a couple of digits, and you'll get a pretty good idea of what your home could go for on the open market. Do you have a topic idea or a question for the Golfy team you would like addressed on a future Golfy real estate show? Send them an email at questions at robgolfy.com. Back to the um, Bank of Canada's decision on Wednesday to raise interest rates for an eighth consecutive time, now at 4.5%, it up went up 25 basis points. Brian, do you get the sense that this is going to be it? Tiff Macklin, the, the governor said, you know, we're pressing pause. Do you believe him? Yes, I have to, Rick. I have to believe him. I want to believe him. I am definitely going to believe him. Um, and, and the reason being is I think that, you know, all these things, Tip knows this as well, too. There's a lagging effect. We've seen the numbers on inflation start to come down. We've seen these numbers. It's had the desired effect. Canadians feel, uh, I would say, considerably less wealthy than they have before. I believe people are spending less money right now. And I think it is a good idea to end up pausing right now. So I'm I'm hopeful, and a lot of, we are seeing this in the bond market as well too, as fixed rates right now, a lot of the fixed rates are priced based on future expectations. And uh, the anomaly right now is that fixed rates are significantly lower than variable rates right now. So what that tells me and tells a lot of people is that they're, you know, we're banking on rates plateauing, peaking right now, because that's what the money flow is saying in the bond market. And they're saying that, rates will eventually drop as well too. Because historically, 
you always end up seeing the variable rate high or lower than the fixed. You are actually gaining, it's called a risk premium. You are, if you're taking risk for something that can go up or go down, you should be compensated for it. Right now you're not. Right now you're saying, if you take a variable rate, it's almost, you know, on average, depending on the mortgage term, one to one and a quarter percent higher to take that risk. Whereas people can lock into a five-year fix right now at a considerably lower rate. So does that mean that we're going to pause? It's the indicators are there. It looks like it. We started out these rate increases in March of last year at a quarter point increase, right? Then it went to a half, then it went bigger and bigger and then smaller and then smaller. So here we are coming up again, 12 months later, and we're seeing a quarter, right? There's that minuscule sort of drop, right? Or minuscule increase. So I think that we're at the end there, but that doesn't mean that I think we're going to see interest rates drop anytime soon. I think that tip is going to have to see things stop, level off before we see any drops. Because again, these lagging effects will take time to flush through the market and then they'll end up seeing them rate. They'll, they'll end up dropping. I don't know when, but maybe the end of Q3, Q4, maybe the beginning of 2024. But yes, sir, I am hopeful and I am optimistic that we are at the peak right now. Do you think the Bank of Canada started raising rates too late last spring and and went too far with Wednesday's quarter point hike? Um, I think they waited too long. I think they should have done it earlier for sure. But um, you know what? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I don't think they went too far with the quarter point uh, only because there has to be a statement made. And it basically says, hey, listen, you know, inflation is still much higher than we expected to, right? Unemployment is still uh, at a record number right now. You know, there's the jobless rate is low. So uh, there is still indications in the market that we could still see inflation go. So as soon as you pause, right, there's the possibility of a pause. But as soon as we do see the actual pause, so on the next rate uh, announcement, let's say in March, if they don't do anything, optimism will be justified and enter back into the market. So I think they did the right thing there. I'm not, you know, overly ecstatic about it, but I think in order to get things back to where we do, um, it could have been much worse if we see a flip-flop. If we did the pause too early and then rates start going down too early, then they go up again. Um, because the other thing that's coming into play here is Offsee, the regulator for the banks right now, announced they're looking into mortgage rules. This affects a lot of people in our market right now because there could be some serious announcements that come out in April of this year that will, could have a dramatic uh, effect on uh, mortgage qualifying and housing rules. That could be a double whammy if they yeah. don't get inflation under control right now. So having the quarter point, having the pause, and then if they do enact those rules right there, I think we'll be uh, poised for a balanced spring market at that time. Speaking of new rules, there are new rules at play here in Hamilton tied to vacant homes and to short-term rental properties. There's a new vacant home tax in the city of Hamilton, and uh, the rules surrounding things like Airbnb have changed. Phil, is this going to impact the market? Uh, I, I don't see it impacting the market as much as I see it just impacting Hamiltonians uh, in, in general. The vacant home tax is, is an interesting one. This is one that I, I, I understand and, and, and I see, right? There's driving through the city, anybody would be able to recognize there's, there's vacant homes, right? They're, they're, these, are, these are often rundown properties for whatever reason, properties that haven't been maintained, haven't been attended, and, and in, are in, you know, sometimes not even habitable. So it, 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 
it's important to make sure that we, we you know, we this implement, you know, the implementation of this vacant home taxes is going to address some of those problematic properties um, in the city, and, and it's going to drive, you know, whether it's an investor or uh, a new home buyer that's going to start to, to, you know, for these people that are holding on to them, they're not going to want to hold on to them anymore and pay 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 a tax on 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 these houses. And hopefully they they consider selling them or or renting them out. And 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 I do see this having an effect on on you know you know inventory or or making a a few more opportunities for people that that are are looking for housing. Now is this going to be you know changing? Is this going to affect our markets and and in any way? No, it's not. But I do think it's a step in the right direction, and I do think it's important for for the city. I think it's going to um, you know create a little bit more. Uh, economic growth in terms of those those renovation opportunities and things like that. We've got to understand that real estate has such a ripple effect on the economy. It's tied to so many different industries and so many different things that that the the renovations and the development and um, the new the new homes um, you know are, are such an important factor of of this economy. And and if you know if there's you know a hundred new renovation pro- projects in the city. That's important, and I think that's that's the the ripple effect that this vacant home tax will have on on that specific sector. So I'm I'm a supporter of it, um, and and I don't understand. You know, if you own a property, you know, you're just going to let it sit there, sit vacant, let it run down. You know, there, uh, we all know that you you know you let a property sit for so long, it just problems just happen, right? I wish and I had that much money yeah, I, to sit and let homes sit I, vacant. I don't. That'd I, be a great first I don't, problem. To yeah, have. I don't. I don't. I don't get that part of it. But when we when we get into the Airbnb thing, this is this is something I am strongly against, and I think it's a huge miss for the city. It's a huge miss. Uh, and, 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 and banning these Airbnbs is, is, is so problematic um, and, and something that I strongly disagree with. This is not an Airbnb problem that we're having. This is not, this is not you know, causing the housing shortage. We need to take a look at the Residential Tenancies Act and take a look at the, land, uh, the Landlord Tenant Board and fix that problem. That's the problem that we need to fix. We do not have an Airbnb problem in the city. The, as, a, as an Airbnb owner, and, and speaking for myself, I have seen the amount of people that are coming in for weddings, professionals that are coming in for, for events, uh, lawyers coming in for you know trials and courses. Like it promotes economic growth in the city. We we it's an option that people have. You know, we're we're with all the hospitals we have, we have families coming in to visit loved ones and. And, and want that environment of, of a home, right? Not just the, the, the hotel room or the small apartment. It's, 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 it's not an Airbnb problem. It's a landlord tenant board problem. And, and I said this on Twitter and I, and I took to Twitter. And one of my main arguments is a tenant in Ontario can bankrupt you. You can get a bad tenant. And, and, and especially right now, when we have these rising interest rates, housing costs as a landlord are dramatically increasing and and we've seen article after article how there's these you know professional tenants who who will not pay who will do everything to to avoid that and use the landlord tenant um board in their favor to 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 basically steal from a landlord now there's a lot of good tenants out there there's a lot of good landlords out there and and and, and i get it there's there's bad apples and and everything and you know, to your point there, I think that there are a lot of landlords out there. Another way to put it, 
are subsidizing housing. Right. And because if you did fix this landlord tenant problem, right, because, you know, looking at it from the standpoint you're saying, Phil, if I've got a rental property and market rent is $2,500, right, and the tenant's only paying $1,100, they're not moving. Right. And, and I can't re- redeploy my capital. I can't do anything for me as an investor. But then they're not getting into the housing market and they're not getting ahead either. Right. right. And I think that that eliminates opportunity for the investors. It eliminates opportunity for people to continue to move on and grow. And I think if you did end up changing the landlord tenant tribunal to make it a little bit more equitable, there would be opportunity for people to move these, move the stock. Yeah. But, but I think just people are so afraid to go through that, that environment in that situation with the tenant, because we know that there's no protection. For the landlord, there's, there's literally no protection. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I went through this process. I had, I had a terrible situation. I've talked about it on the show. One of my first investment properties um, that I bought back in 2017, I, I, I went through the, the tenant application process. I, I picked a bad tenant, somebody who had no interest in paying me. Now, I was a young investor. I was, I was new to, to, to real estate investing. And I was in a position where I was 22, 23 years old and I was carrying two mortgages, right? I was, I was $5,000 a month out of my pocket, out of my own pocket. And I was, I was draining and I was stressed and I was low on funds. And I, and I just, it was one of the most stressful times in my life that I've, I've ever experienced because of a bad tenant. And guess what? I couldn't do anything about it because the landlord tenant board is so dysfunctional and, and has absolutely no support for landlords you know, why is it like that? So, so as I went through this position, I saw there was an opportunity for Airbnb specifically directly correlated to the dysfunctional operation of the landlord tenant board. So I opened up an Airbnb. It was amazing. I have it. It's right downtown Hamilton. You know, I, I furnished it, you know, decorated it. People are coming in from all over people passing through from uh, Detroit to Buffalo. Like there's just so many stories of, of why people are coming to visit the city um, and, 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 and one of the, one of the comments was it, you know, it, it doesn't support economic growth and development. And I agree. I 100% agree. People are continuing to invest into Airbnb, fix the landlord tenant board. And you will see that there's, there's more people that will consider long-term rentals. Now there's still risk with Airbnb, right? It's not like everyone wants to jump to Airbnb. You know, there's, there's, People, people go and rent Airbnbs and have parties and, you know, there's that, that damaging element of it and that short-term rental where there's a little bit more risk associated. That only happens up north, you know? That <laughs> and, doesn't happen in the city. And, and, so, and so it's not like, you know, it's not like there's no risk associated with Airbnb, but, but I think, you know, we're, we're being blind to the fact that of the real issue here. And, and, and it was so frustrating to follow the story and see what the, what the city voted on it. And, and, and I get people's arguments, right? One of the arguments is, is you know, uh, people are uh, investors and, um, you know, landlords are hoarding housing, be, uh, you know, for, for you know, so, and, and the first time home buyers and the poor can't, can't get it. But, and I get it. I, I, I understand that part of it. However, this is not that problem. This is not a, a sh- the, the, these Airbnbs are not causing a shortage in rentals. It's directly due to the poor operation of the landlord tenant board. So we've got a couple minutes in this segment. I do want to clarify that the regulations from the city of Hamilton on short-term rentals means that if you own a principal residence, that is the only place where these short-term rentals can live. So you having a principal residence, I would assume, and then a short-term rental 
can you just you don't have to sell it you can turn it into a long-term rental but now you're dealing with the uh tenants uh, landlord tenants advisory board yeah exactly but but you know from my experience rick like one of the first questions that people ask me is um is there anybody else living in the house right people want a private space hmm. people want a private space where they don't want to be in an apartment they, they don't you don't want to share another another living quarter with somebody because there's just that unpredictability of of you know privacy of whatever right as a, as a clear what is a wrong a long-term rental now are they saying 30 days or six months or what is the actual what is the definition of a long-term rental i think rental it's now? one year one year okay yeah. so basically yeah. you can't do 30 days 60 days 90 days no gotcha. no so it, it's it's going to be interesting to see and i'm and i'm shocked like i you know every single argument that was put forward was was 100 valid i just don't think they're asking the, the 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 landlords in the city, the Airbnb owners in the city of, of of the reasons why that they have transitioned to this area and and transitioned to Airbnb, and and it's directly correlated to that. So so right now you're right, Rick. We're transitioning that you you can still do Airbnb, but it has to be in your principal residence. You can rent out a basement apartment. You can rent out a room. Uh, you can rent out. You know, I believe if you have a duplex or a triplex, you can rent out one of those one of those spaces and areas but you know people have big families they all want to be together right let's face it if you have six people you're not fitting in a basement apartment of a thousand square foot house or yeah. so it, it's um you know it it, it it was disappointing it was disappointing to see that pass along and um it, it should be interesting to, to follow suit and, and see how you know what happens here um but but you know from my experience in running airbnb it's been so positive um, it, it, I really enjoy it. I enjoy meeting the people that are coming to, to, to the city to visit. I, I, I enjoy, you know, sharing the restaurants and sharing the coffee shops and the, and the must-see places, the hikes, um, and everything our city has to offer. And it's going to be disappointing that some of those people will look past Hamilton now and go somewhere else due to the fact that we do not have a, a product or a house that will be able to support them if they're a large uh, group uh, looking for looking to gather. When we come back on the show, we'll talk about real estate fraud and how organized crime has their fingers in the real estate market. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Back to the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Phil Golfie, sales representative, Remax's Kirkman Realty, the Golfie team. Find them online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call the number one Remax team in Canada. That's the Golfie team, 905-575-7700, 905-575-7700. Check out the Golfie team on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Our special guest today is Brian Hogman, founder and principal broker at Mission 35 Mortgages. Online, the website is mission35mortgages.com. Organized crime and real estate fraud, they seem to go hand in hand. <laughs> and uh, it is serious Crazy. stuff, especially yeah. for those who are who are caught in this web. Um, uh, another example of how organized crime has mortgaged or sold homes without people knowing. 
crazy. It, it, it's unbelievable. Like, like somebody literally has stolen your home. <laughs> stolen. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's, you know, you show up one day and your name is no longer on the title of that property and everything, equity, investment, whatever, everything that you put into your home, which, which we all know is our entire lives, as we just talked about it for the, in the first segment, is, is gone and stolen due to these organized cr- crime people and, and fraudsters. It's unbelievable. I couldn't imagine the horror stories. And, and it's so funny, you know, these, these articles started to come out and, 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 and everyone started to come forward and, and say, you know, I have my story and this happened to me. But, you know, here's my question. You know, number one, what are we doing to, to prevent this from happening? Mm-hmm. And number two, do we not have an organized crime unit or something that's going to catch these criminals? Because all I see here is, is people's stories. I have not seen one name of one person caught. I've not seen one, one you know, investigation strategy, like nothing. Like, and who, like, what are we going to do to protect, you know, Ontarians, Canadians from this to keep on happening? Because clearly it's, 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 I mean, one is too many, never mind 30. Like these are, these, these are multi-million dollar homes, hundreds and thousands of dollars being stolen. From, from crime groups across the province. But what are we doing to prevent this? It, it, you know, I, I get we have titles insurance and, and, and that's something that, you know, that's a measure that... That, that, that does actually help. It, the, for uh, sure. The, the ones that we find that are most susceptible are the ones that have no mortgage. Right. You know, those people we talked about earlier, when their house is paid off, it's one less step that they have to contend with. And this is something that, you know, for people listening out there, it's a great precautionary thing. A lot of times when you've paid off your house, you know, it used to be, let's burn the deed, right? Like the deed right. burned and we don't have a mortgage anymore. And what we encourage people to do is to maintain a leverage line of credit on your home. Even if you're not going to use it, you know, you go to a bank and you just, even if your home's worth a million bucks and you put a secured line of credit on there for 50 grand or a hundred grand, even if you don't use it, it shows up on title and whenever you register something on your title, you have to get title insurance as well too. And that is, you know, it's not going to completely eliminate the right. opportunity for fraud, but it's going to prevent it significantly because for the fraudster, they're targeting the people with no mortgage. And to your, to your point, I actually talked to a guy, I have a client who's in the RCMP right. and he was working in the bank fraud investigation. And he was just saying, this is, this is the challenge that right. they have. Banks make billions. Right. They have write-offs. So when they have a fraud or something like this, the reason why a lot of times is because for the RCMP and for everybody else to do the investigation, the banks are so big, they understand that they have a loss. First Canadian title, let's just say the title insurance company pays off the bank where the fraud was committed because they had title insurance, let's say. Or if they don't, they don't. But the bank writes off losses. It is is easier, more streamlined for a bank to write off the loss than it is to probably open up a file, right. go to the RCMP, explain their processes that have happened. And, and I'm not speaking for all bank security departments here, but if I'm looking at it as a business, if I make a billion dollars and a couple million gets lost, that's a write-off, right. unfortunately, to them. So the incentive for them to put man, woman power behind investigating it is just not there, unfortunately. And, and so that's the, you know, the cyclical effect that we yeah. get into where you know, you know, the fraudsters are seeing opportunity and say, <laughs> You know they're not going to chase us. I hope like, we're not endorsing white collar. No, I know, here. but it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just that, and, and maybe the, you know that's the problem, it is, right? Yeah. And it's, it, it's like, like what's your even like what's your first step? Like, hey, like you know, someone stole 
has stolen my house. What do you, what do you, like, what are you going to call 911? Like, what, what do you do? Like, I couldn't, and that's what I was thinking about the other day. It's like, what, what is your first step? I think to, you would call, normally this stuff comes up is when someone gets a notice that there's a mortgage that's been registered on the yeah. property. As soon as you find out a mortgage has been registered, uh, you contact the bank, right? Yeah. And you end up saying, hey, listen, I don't have a mortgage. And, the, and, and then you start from there. Then you go to a lawyer. If you have title insurance, you yeah. call your title insurance company. But this, the sad reality is, too, this is uh, this takes up considerable bandwidth for someone because it's not a it's not like reversing a credit card charge. Well, this is something that'll yeah. take months and months and months to resolve. And then you got to go back and prove that it was actually your house. Yeah. And you got to go, right. you know, find the original agreement of purchase and sale and, and, and start to work backwards, where it's almost like you got to prove that you're not the fraudster, right? Yeah. Where you're the other person. So it's it's an extremely stressful, stressful. And I'm shocked by how often this happens. And I know, I know for me, and I've said this before and knowing every single step of the, of the process of, of home buying or home selling to get to the stage of where it's actually completed to the point where they've, they fraudulently, you know, like created this entire process. It's unbelievable that not one um, process in the step has, has, has somebody has, has caught it, right? Because you got to go to the lawyer level. You got to go to the land registry level. You got to go. Well, they have to I, assume your identity. And I think, I think it comes down to, you know what? I know, I know for us, for example, you know what? We have a lot of sensitive information in a mortgage brokerage, right? It's very important that, you know, when you're dealing with your bank and especially in the automated world that we, we live in today, you're dealing through secure portals, right? You're making sure that whether it's a mortgage brokerage or a bank, you're not just emailing your SIN number and tax. Right. You're putting it through a portal that is secured because this stuff can be hijacked, right? And a lot of times they have to assume your identity first in order to go to the next steps. So I, I think it's a great cautionary tale to say, hey, have title insurance, have a secured line of credit, but also just be aware of how you're sending your information because it used to be back in the day, oh, put it in the shredder so if someone goes through your garbage, they right. can't get it. Right. right. I don't think people do that. No, there's, no, there's a paper trail of, 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 of everything. Everything has email. Yeah. An electronic trip. And it's, and it's, but you know, it, it, it's just, it almost feels like there's just no fear for these, for, and, and for these scams and these frauds. Well, and no I, consequence. I, yeah, no, exactly. And, yeah. and, and this is, you know, this is on the highest level. This is not, you know, a, a credit card. This is not a, you know, some small petty crime. This is, at its highest level where you're stealing somebody's house with and millions of dollars of on the table yeah. and millions of dollars it's, right. it's unbelievable and and you know there's i guarantee there's a lot more stories out there and it's going on right now as we speak and it's it's you know like brian said one of the preventative measures that you can do right now today is go put a secured line of credit on your home because if you're sitting there and your house is mortgage free and you have zero dollars owing those are the targets that these fraudsters are looking for because it's, 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 easy. it's one less step into the, into that process that they'll need to go through, whether it's paying off a debt or paying off a mortgage, um, on, on that property. And that's how these things can happen. Let me jump in. Cause we're way over time, but, uh, one more segment to go and we'll talk about finding money in a house that you buy. Who's entitled to that cash. We'll get to that next year on the Golfy real estate show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
Lasko Rund here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Philip Golfy, sales representative, Remax Escarpman Realty, the Golfy team, and our special guest today, Brian Hogman, founder and principal broker, Mission 35 Mortgages. Check them out online, mission35mortgages.com. You want to sell your house for top dollar in this market? Go online to robgolfy.com or call the number one Remax team in Canada. That's the Golfy team, 905-575-7700. So we you buy a house, you find some money, and, and maybe a lot of money, like what happened in Edmonton back in 2017, where new homeowners found $500,000 in cash and gold wafers, the money ultimately awarded to the previous homeowners. Same situation in another house in Stratford, $130,000 found in silver coins. That money, according to a judge, went to the woman that used to own the home. I guess if you buy a house, find a bunch of cash, it's not yours. Yeah, uh, apparently. What a, what a crazy story. And I think this happens more often than we think, right? You know, there, there's this generation in the society of, of being afraid of the bank and making sure that you have cash and gold and, uh, and, and, and storing it under the mattress or putting it up in the attic. There is, I, there, there 100% is, and there's a lot of people out there right now and people listening to this show that have a stash of money put somewhere in their house. And, <laughs> and we, you know, we've seen the introduction of states and, um, you know, we went through the pandemic and there was a lot of fear when it came to, you know, cash and gold and, and things of that nature. Right. So this happens, it happens you know, obviously these are larger scales where it's hundreds and thousands of dollars, but it happens on smaller scales as well. You know what I got to say? I am, I am restored by the ethical nature of our society. Yeah. People are saying, uh, excuse me, I found $500,000 and it's not mine. That, that restores my faith in humanity, actually. Totally. So. Yeah, long story short, if you find money in your house, you know what, go buy a property and call the Golfie team at 905-575-7700. Yeah. Well online, robgolfie.com. You can also listen to our show through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfie Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform. Platform. Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Phil, Brian, thanks for your time. Have a great weekend, and thank you for listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show. We are back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.